Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. You're safe if you're praying to the Holy Spirit. He's not going to direct you wrong. You're not praying to me. You don't have to worry. You're not going through my filter, my love meter. You're going directly to the Holy Spirit. You're safe. If it's the voice of the Spirit or the Word of God, you are safe. If the Holy Spirit wants you to speak in tongues, you're safe. A little little cascading effect. Nothing over here now. We need to be praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit on my left side of the room. But if he wants you to speak in tongues and he wants you to prophesy, you need to just give into that. Don't worry about whether it's too weird and don't worry about, you know what, I was raised in a Baptist church and I wasn't raised in the Pentecostal church. That's not up to you. We are to follow the word of God. Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. How do you get rid of that out of your, out of your theology? How does that eliminate it from an entire group of, of Christians? swaths, millions of Christians have eliminated speaking in tongues. You're like, is that the message today? No, this is all free. This is bonus. This is all bonus. I only have a certain amount of time with you, so I can't, you know, can't go too long. But it's all bonus. So all you listen, if you, it, you need to drop everything but the word of God. You're totally safe in the word of God. But when Paul says, I thank my God, the man who won the most souls in the New Testament says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all in 1 Corinthians 14, 18. And the Baptist church or the Catholic church or the Nazarene church trumps the word of God in your life. Who's wrong? You're totally and completely safe. If the word of God says yes, you say yes. If the word of God says no, you say no. It's really that, life is really, really easy. It's not complicated, it's just hard to do. But you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter five, verse 37. The baseline scripture of this message series. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Now, what does that mean? What's that last line mean? It means exactly what it says. Whatever is more than a yes and whatever is more than a no is from the evil one. Make your commitment or make no commitment at all. Let your yes be yes and your no be no for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. That is why we see a global, weak, evangelical church because their yes is not yes and their no is not no. They have a whole bunch of you have to use wisdoms and maybes. There is, no, there is no Bible verse that says you have to use wisdom. God is wisdom. The word is wisdom. So you never say, you know what? If the Bible is wisdom, then why would you add wisdom on top of wisdom? If the Bible says yes, then it's yes. It's not, well, yes. But you know, you have to use some moderation. That's from the evil one. See, life is really, really easy to understand. It really is. It's not complicated. Yes is yes, no is no. Whatever's more than that is from the evil one. Now the time has come for big belief. What people would say is big faith, but the problem with preaching, although it's correct, 
The problem with preaching about big faith is that people start asking for it. Are you supposed to ask God for more faith? Absolutely not. Jesus, Jesus brings that correction in Luke chapter 17, verses 4 and 5. And the apostles came to the Lord and said, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the seed, it would obey you. You don't ask for more faith. You've been given the gift of faith in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. You've already been given all the faith you're ever going to have. It's like looking at your own body this morning and saying, Lord, give me more body. Give me another arm. Give me another leg. You've got all the body you're ever going to have. Now what you do with it is up to you. If you want to bench press 300 pounds, you can. If you want to run faster, you can run faster. You can run longer. You can do all sorts of things. It's up to you. But you're never going to have a different body until Jesus comes back. Then you'll have a glorified body, which by the way is still your body. You're welcome. Some of you are like, man, really? Can I be taller? I don't know. Maybe I'll make you taller. <laughs> Pray right now. Stand in faith. Lord, glorified body, make me 6'3". I'm tired of being 5'6". <laughs> Go ahead. Faith moves mountains. Go ahead and do it. But it's time has come for big belief. See, the church is so tiny in its expectations. The question is, how do we get the big belief? John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus is speaking. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. What greater means there is that are we going to do greater works than raise people from the dead? Here's the thing. No, what it means is we're going to do more of what he already did. Greater works than these he will do. Listen, we're not going to do greater works than raising people from the dead. Got quiet in here. See, a lot of you have lived in that ambiguity for a long time. You're like, I'm not even doing what he did. And Jesus is saying for me to do greater things than he did. Greater means more of what he did. So we're supposed to be giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, winning the lost, walking around with a massive anointing. That's what's supposed to be happening right now. But instead what the church says worldwide is they get presented by a, they get presented a globalist 99.9% survival virus and do what the globalist elites tell them to do. But you're supposed to be doing greater works than what Jesus did. We're supposed to be spreading out, giving sight to the blind, provision to the poor. Well, I don't have any provision. That's because you don't tithe. You can't beat it. If you don't have any money to give to the poor, it's because you yourself love money and you don't give. If you don't give, you can't give. Whatever you plant into the ground is coming up. If you give giving, you will be able to give. That's it. Life is easy. It's very easy to understand. There's another pastor after my money. Don't care about your money. Keep it. Go give it to another ministry. But we're supposed to be doing those things. Greater works than he did. It is time for big belief. I'm going to give you a stunning, I'm going to give you a very, very stunning statement. Jesus is gone. Jesus is not on earth. He's gone. He's commanded that you shine in his place through the power of the Holy Spirit. I spoke about this briefly over the last two weeks. I'm going to speak about it in a little bit more detail now. We're supposed to be shining, not tolerating. Amen. 
You're supposed to be shining, not accommodating. You're supposed to be shining even in replacement of being nice. Most Christians think that the highest calling of a believer is niceness. You must have never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because I want you to show me where Jesus is syrupy nice like we are in the church today. And when I say we, I mean they. How about shining instead of false compassion? How about shining instead of enabling? For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest their deeds be exposed. You should be at least a mild irritant to the sinner. Not, not indistinguishable from them. People should either come to you for a form of salvation from their problems through the gospel of Jesus or be repelled by you. But most Christians are indistinguishable. Nobody has any idea who they are except for, look how nice I am. For the word of God's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Well, Tom, that's the Bible. That is Christianity. The Bible and Jesus are as one. I will tell you this, if anybody in here right now, I, 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 I span across faces and I read faces. 25 years in law enforcement, you learn to read faces. It's a life-saving measure. And I read faces in the room. You don't know that I'm looking at you, but I do. And I see, I see disconnect. And the reason why you're disconnected is because you are not doing any sort of spiritual investment in your life. You're thinking, you know what, someday if I have this and someday if I have that, I'll be happy. You're wrong. You're never going to be happy. You've got, listen, I've got a friend, well, he's a neighbor more than a friend, but we're friendly. And I watch him because he is actually the prototypical American male. And I like watching people. You ever sit in an airport? I don't need to be entertained on my phone. I'll just watch people. (laughs) Hours. Watch people. And I do that around my own neighborhood and I watch the men especially. And what they do, the ones that are around my age, whether they're fortunate enough like me to have retired from their first career or whether they're still in their career, I watch them. And I watch them try to fulfill their lives outside of Jesus. I've got several men in my neighborhood right now. One's doing an addition onto his home. He's a backslidden Christian. Not one of his kids is saved. His wife is supposedly a Christian, but she's not going to church and none of her kids are saved, but they're putting an addition on their house. Why? The the guy that I watch all the time, he just did what he always, he's already got the motorcycle. So what's next? Here's how it always goes. It's motorcycle first, and then it's either boat or RV next. Every time. It's a common spirit. Seriously. It's, a, it's coming next because, you know, now he wants to be free. I'm going to go and travel the country and be free. And that's going to give me fulfillment. No, because you're bringing yourself with you. You're yourself is getting in the RV. He's already cycled through. He's got his next girlfriend now. I'm like, great, great guy. I love the guy. Super nice. But I'm like... The RV's not going to cut it. He's got the car he's building in the garage. Keep trying. 
If, you're, if, you don't, if you don't connect with Jesus this morning, it's on you. You're not sowing any seed. There's other priorities in your life. Early in the morning will I rise up to seek thee. You want to be a, a man or a woman after God's own heart. He has to literally come first. Not, well, he's first in my heart. No, he's not. I'm talking about physically first. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Proverbs 16.3. If you want your life to change, you have to act differently, not think differently. Acting differently changes your mind. Not changing your mind to change your actions. It doesn't work. You know, some of you are like, I thought you are supposed to set your mind first. No. You act first and that will change your mind and your heart. Your heart is a follower. Jesus is gone. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God. He sits at the right hand. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 says this, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is gone. He's coming back, but he's not here. The Holy Spirit is here. The one that's most often ignored inside the modern church, which is why the modern church is closed. Do you think the Holy Spirit was telling everybody to close? Lock down, put masks on, and, and take the death jab? No. Well, you know, I do believe that, you know, he took up our infirmities and carried our diseases, but, you know, you have to use wisdom. And Anthony Fauci says that this shot will save your life. Oh, wow. Okay, well, just jam that thing in my bloodstream as quick as you can then. It's the modern church. Yeah, we're different here. This is a different body. We are. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you what the truth is. You didn't find anything else like this in Charlotte County. You won't. Because every other pastor in Charlotte County is scared. Scared of what? Scared of you not coming back. You're like, Tom, don't you care that I come back? Not really. <laughs> love you. I love you too much to care whether you come back or not. If I care that you come back, then I'm going to compromise. I don't compromise. I pray over the message and I start writing. Whatever God wants me to preach, that's the order that it's in. He wants you to shine. Jesus is gone. You replaced him. He initially said in scripture that he was the light of the world. And then he says later in scripture that you are in Matthew chapter 5. I know you've heard me preach this before, but let me just set the precedent for you. He early on says, I am the light of the world. Then he says in Matthew chapter 5 that who is the light of the world? You are the salt of the earth. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How will the earth have any flavor without real Christians? It doesn't. That's why the whole world looks the same. Every, every single church on the planet for, on a percentage basis closed. We look identical to the world. You are the salt of the earth. Whether you like salt or not, it changes everything. I've told you this before. Jump in the ocean with road rash and you'll notice salt changes things. <laughs> and initially, a lot of times, people don't think it's positive. Because it stings. But it also adds flavor. It's the whole package. But you are the salt of the earth. Salt is distinguishable. If nobody knows who you are because you're so tolerant and you're so accommodating, you're not living in the word. I don't even know if you're saved. 
If you never confront people about their sin, I don't know whether you're saved or not. See how quiet I can make a room? Just like that. It's a gift. It's an anointing. Just like that. Because a lot of us in this room, we've been taught at our ARC churches that we went to until they closed. And then you were forced to come here. Some of you are barely hanging on. <laughs> hoping someday they'll open again. Listen, a lot of them are never going to open again. You're going to need a well health safety seal to get in there. They're under, they're under, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding you. They're under PPP money. They're going to have to do what they're told. They owe the federal government. They're a state church now. They're not going to be able to violate their rules. Don't believe me? Nigeria just passed a law. Nigeria. You can't buy, sell, trade, or travel. That's your Vax Pass. That's one. Can't go to church without your Vax Pass. In Niger all of Nigeria. You cannot go. Where, what's interesting about Nigeria? It's owned by China who put out the CCP virus. And one little globalist entity after another falls. Switzerland, can't buy, sell, trade, or travel. That's your green pass, vaccine pass. There's other people fighting it now too. Other countries are rescinding their green passes. But you need to keep an eye on the world. What else, what, what else has happened in, China, in uh, Nigeria? Can't go to church. You cannot enter a church building without your vaccine card. That is what happens when you abide in lies and you accommodate. You, Tommy, you telling people, what, Nigeria, it's kind of a third world country. If they stand, they could die. Yeah, you stand. Look, look at me, look at me. You stand. What are you, you going to do, die on your knees? You got to stand. Your church leaves, they leave. 30 to 40% of this church left in March of 2020. Gone. Did I, was I heartbroken, home crying? No. Because it's not, my job is not to try to keep people around and accommodate people. Some people, they come in here, they come to this church and they're like, they're weird already. And Tom, can I, can I meet with you? I guess. Mm. <laughs> and they think that I'm going to set them up in their weirdness. You're not doing squat here until you unweird yourself. And 99% never do, really 100% never do, so they go to the next church. We will stand here. I, I don't budge at all. I have people come to me at the door, please don't ever change. I've never changed. I got saved when I was 18 years old. I'm identical. Seriously. I know a lot more of the Bible now, but what did I do when I was 18? I turned from my sin. I committed my life to Jesus I believe that you can lose your salvation. Never change. I'm an Armenian believer. I'm not a Calvinist. John Calvin burned Christians at the stake. Don't really want to believe that, Fauci. John Calvin, Fauci, same person. See how quiet it gets in here? But I have a Bible. My commentary Bible has John Calvin all over it. Burned that thing. It's time for you to shine. Sometimes you turn on a light, it's great. Sometimes you turn on a light, it's abrasive. You don't look for either one. You just shine. If you're abrasive, you're abrasive. If you bring revelation, you bring revelation. If you bring healing, you bring healing. You bring truth, you bring truth.
Sometimes when you turn on light, people's eyes are like, everyone, for everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light. You're, you, that's not your job to do. It is not your job to try to figure out what your light will do. You just shine. Shine. Stop worrying about being compassionate and shine. If God, if that is the moment of your shining, then be compassionate. You're like, Tom, it's because you're never compassionate. You don't know me. I said this in the podcast room last night. If the people in the room, if Naz is not in the room, I'm the nicest one in the room. My wife's in there. Well, if Will, Will's in there now. Will's probably nicer than me. But of the original people in the podcast room, Tommy, I'm nicer than Tommy, my son. Aaron, way nicer than Aaron. Considerably nicer than my wife. I'm not kidding. You go to her for it. People, people run from me and go to her for advice. Like, you're better off coming to me. <laughs> Way better off. I'll, I'll at least cushion the blow. There is no cushion. It's off the building onto the concrete. Come what may. <laughs> oh, there she is. There she is. <laughs> Ask my kids. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses flavor, what good is it? It gets trampled underfoot by Anthony Fauci, by Joe Biden. It's true. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You're either an irritant that's shining, or you're thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Is that not exemplified in the worldwide church? They're trampled underfoot by men. They're following man's rules. I don't follow man's rules when it comes to sickness, illness, disease, or anybody else, anything else in the Bible. Eventually, they're going to outlaw you. You know that, right? I don't know if it's going to be in your lifetime or not. I have no idea. No one knows about the day or hour. Everybody thinks that they do. They don't. Every, listen, you sit there and you look at the book of Revelation. We have the seals, the trumpets, the bowls, the woes. You, I mean, Jesus is going to come back any minute. If you believe that, you don't know the Bible. You have no idea what the Bible says. Jesus come back any second. You don't have any clue what the Bible says. You've watched too many Tim LaHaye movies, Left Behind series. <laughs> the seven seals have to open. They have not. Seven trumpets have to be blown. They have not. If you're a mid-tribber to late-tribber like me, then at least you have to get to the seventh trumpet. We aren't there. You're like, man, this just blows everything up. I know. <laughs> it's better for you to know and start studying to show yourself approved instead of preaching a false gospel. Jesus come back any second. Not true. No one knows about the day. I know no one knows about the exact day or hour, but you certainly can know the signs of the times. He's not coming back at any second. We need to stand. Christian, well, we're going to be out of here any minute now, so, you know, I'm just going to go home and, you know, put, you know, when I'm out in public, I'll put my mask on. <laughs> you aren't making it to heaven anyway. You'll, you'll take the mark. You act like that. See how quiet, see how quiet I make a room? 
Most Christians don't make it. You know that, right? The love of most will grow cold. I'm not going to get to this part in this, me- in this service. Watch the second one at some point during the week because it's the second part of this message series. What does the love of most grow cold mean? Matthew 24, 13. What does it mean? At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness. You seen an increase of wickedness? The love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end. What is the love of, what does that love talk about? Lionel Richie songs? Stuck on you. No. It's not talking about that. Once, twice, three times a lady. Want me to sing that one too? I'll bust that out right now. I love, I love Lionel Richie. I love Lionel Richie. I'll bust it out right now. That's not what it's talking about. The love of most will go cold means what? What is love for God? To obey his commands. People will stop obeying God. Christians, the love, if you had the love, sorry Calvinists, you can walk away from your salvation and lose it. Not with one sin. You have to make it a lifestyle. An apostasy, a leaving of the faith. The love of most Christians will grow cold. They will stop obeying God. Look what it took to get them to stop obeying God. Whether the closed churches and the people that attend them go to heaven or hell, I don't know. I can tell you that you're not obeying God if you put a mask on your face. You're not obeying God if you inject yourself with that vaccine. Tom, but we have before. Have you prayed about it? Hey God, let me ask you this. Um, do you want me to take this vaccine? Think God, the Holy Spirit's going to say, oh yeah. Get that thing in there. So much better than the system that I gave you. Right. You could possibly join the 14 to 150,000, depending on who you believe, that have already died from it in the United States. Yeah, take the chance. God wouldn't tell you that. He'd tell you to stand in the word. I don't care if you're 80 years old. If you have comorbidities, pray those bad boys off. Have to shine. Stand out. You are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. There's no hiding. Well, I just want to be nice. Who Who told you that's Christianity? Did Jesus hide or did Jesus stand out? Well, that might mean that I get excommunicated from my family. Well, join the club, man. I haven't seen my family for two years because I'm not vaccinated. They don't want to see me? Tom, you, really? Yeah, shake the dust off my feet. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. Verse 15. But on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You are to shine. However that shining is. I'm not telling you to be a purposeful irritant. That's not what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He shined. They came to him. He didn't go house to house. He didn't go pick on people. 
He shined. They came to him and decided whether to be irritated or not. That's what your life should be. You tell me people will come to me. Do you pray that? Philemon 1.6, do you pray it? Pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Do you pray it or not? Most Christians never do. So you know how many people they win to the Lord? Zero. They bury their talent in the ground and give God back exactly what they got. See how quiet it is? See, I look at you differently than you look at you. I don't look at you as a church attender. I look at you as the light of the world. Seriously, I'm looking at every single person in this room. Even the ones who look very disinterested right now. Like, please, when is this going to be over? It's going to be over at about 10.50. There you go. You're done. I don't have a choice. Could be even a little earlier than that. But I still, even though you're disinterested, even if you're not saved, I still look at you as the light of the world because that's your potential. If you decide to go to hell with that potential, that's on you. But I look at people in this world, in this room, as the light of the world. But most every person in this world, in this room, your light is under a basket. Tom, how could you say it? Because it's true. Are we winning the people that we're supposed to win? Influencing those that we're supposed to influence? No, most of us are way too busy. We, either we have the RV or we're on our way to get it. Don't let it be you and have your life stolen from you. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus said it, if I be lifted up from the earth, all men will be drawn unto me. That's you shining. Jesus is gone. You're welcome. People want to move mountains. Who wants to move mountains in here? Good job. Everybody should. I'm talking about impossible things. Even that impossible relative that could never be saved. God wants you to move that mountain. It still will be his or her decision, but you can make it almost impossible for them to say no with the power of your anointing. You can. So what does it take to move mountains though? See, what we do in the church is we we read a verse about moving mountains. Everybody shouts amen and goes home to the RV. Goes home to pursue the world. Once I get to Tennessee, that's it. That's it. It's over. A stream in my backyard. Birds are chirping. Finally, I'll be happy. After I get the RV and the motorcycle again, then the boat again, because Tennessee is the same as Florida, because I'm there. It is. I love Tennessee. Trying to buy a house right now in Tennessee today. Trying to buy one today. Love it, but I just know it's not my answer. You know why I'm going to Tennessee? Why I want to be in Tennessee? I told you. Because I don't want to put up Christmas lights with mosquitoes anymore. I just want to go up there for Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's no answer there. You can finish your home. You can have a great marriage. You'll still be empty. You're not designed for it. If you want, you're designed to move mountains and you'll be miserable until you're doing that. And most Christians stay miserable their whole life. You know it's true because you're miserable. You've got to be moving mountains. It's what you're designed to do once you get saved. 
That's why Christians commit apostasy. The reason why they go back more than anything is because they're bored. They're bored. It's, it, yes, the boredom leads to sin. But the original step backwards is boredom with your walk with God. Because you're designed to be a mountain mover. And you're just sitting in a hammock all day. Spiritually. You might work real hard. By the way, if you work real hard and do nothing, you don't do the four essentials, prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship, every single day of your life, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you're actually lazy. You're, you're carnal. You use work to avoid real work. Which one of you accomplished, ask yourself this, which one of you accomplished more consistently? Hard work in your life, whatever the hard work is, putting in the hours at the office, putting in the hours, building things, whatever it is that you do, which one have you been more consistent at? That or prayer? I can tell you this, judging from the lack of the knowledge of the Word of God in the body of Christ, the answer is 99.999%. Everybody has been very consistent at their work because it's carnal and it's easier and it's lazy. People in this room, and this includes me, you will do anything to avoid praying. You, if I, like if I said, the one piece of great advice that I got from sort of churchy people, sometimes churchy people can be right, but it's rare. But one of the, one of the areas is this, is if you want to have a financial meeting at your church, which we will never do, we have a financial, we want to discuss the finance. How many people would come? Tons. Seriously. Tons. Everybody. We're going to discuss the finance. We're going to start off with Pastor Tom's salary on the front, on the top row. Discuss all the finances of the church. See how it gets quiet in here? I am unafraid. Seriously, I'm unafraid. I don't care what people think. So we have this meeting. Everybody would come. Where's the money going? Especially those that don't give. They'll be the ones in the front row. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the accountability here? Why do you care? You don't give a dime. Whenever somebody leaves the church, especially in dramatic fashion, I, I send out my wife and I say, what did they give? Nothing. Drama queens. All the drama queens give nothing. Nothing. So if I did that and I had that meeting, everybody would come. You know how you thin out the crowd? Well, what we're going to do before we even open, before we start the slideshow on Pastor Tom's salary and various expenditures of the church, we're going to pray for one hour straight with no music. They ain't a soul going to be here. There'll be four people here. Because everybody is spiritually obese. They don't even know how to pray. Most people in this room don't know how to pray. I know you're thinking, why did I even come to this church? Because this is exactly what you need. You don't need to be told that you're okay when you're not. All that is is lying to you. Bold-faced lying to you. Most Christians never pray. Oh, yeah, we do. We pray. We gather hands. Our Father, which art in heaven, bless this meal. In Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. Give me my French fries. That's it. You know, pray. Let's study the word. I want to pastor a church. What have you done? You tell me, Tom, that you earn it? 
No, you dispel unbelief so you can see the open doors. Most Christians never will dispel the unbelief to see the open doors in their life. They will not put in the time. They want to move mountains. Everybody should want to move mountains. So how do you do it? Matthew 21, 21, and 22. This is not how you, well, it shows how you do it. So Jesus answered and said unto them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. So what are the prerequisites? Surely I say to you, if you have faith, not mixed with any doubt, and then you pray and you believe. People are like, I've tried that and it doesn't work. It's because you haven't put the time in. How do you get to the place of moving that mountain? And stop calling yourself a mountain mover when you're not. I'm not even calling myself a mountain mover. How do you get to that place? You start off small. You start off with the elementary. Why is it that in every other area of life we're fine with that and then in spiritual things we pretend that we're at college level when we never graduated kindergarten? Do you know I see that all the time? It is probably outside of relationships torpedoing Christians. It's their pride that torpedoes them next. Where do you get that from, Tom? Because it was named in scripture, again, by the man who won the most souls. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith God has given you. Christians, and when I say Christians, I also mean unsaved churchgoers. Just for the ease of conversation, it's easier to say that. Christians struggle mightily with thinking of themselves more highly than they ought. I have Christians that come to me all the time and they present themselves as spiritual giants and in the midst of our conversation, they're dropping cuss bombs. Do you think that you're spiritually mature if you're still dropping the F-bomb, the S-bomb, the D-bomb, the H-bomb? You really think you're spiritually mature? Because I hear you, by the way. You say, people say it to me at the door. How do I serve here, you know? My last church, they didn't give a bleep about me. God bless you. You know, have a good day. You got a long way to go. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is speaking. Your mouth is, your, your heart's profane. And you want to teach a Bible study here? That's why people don't make it here. Galatians 6.3 says this, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. People struggle in this. People will spend their entire life believing that they're a mountain mover and what you are is safely corralled in your 3-2 at home for life. God doesn't want you hurting people, so he lets you, he lets you be deceived. They, well, I'm a mountain mover. No, you've never won a soul. Who's, where are the souls? Where are they? Where's the healings? Well, yeah, but we, we, we delve deep into that Lou Giglio Bible study. Who cares? You're like, Tom, you're mean. I'm not. I'm the one who cares about you. I want you to perform. 
You don't believe me by judging, judging from the looks on your faces right now. But that's the truth. Galatians 6, 4 says, but let each one examine his own work. So examine your own work. Where am I? I do it all the time. You know how happy I am with it? Not very happy. But I don't walk around with my head held low. I memorize Bible verses. I get moving and increase my belief. Quiet and here. Not getting it. You want to move mountains, you're going to have to work spiritually. You're fine with working everywhere else. Why are you not good with working spiritually? Second Timothy 3, 5 through 9 says this. And this is the embodiment of the modern church. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. These are Christians inside the modern church. They have a form of godliness, but they have no power. They can't move mountains. Jesus said, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, which is to kill the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast to the sea, it will be done. That is your divine destiny. Will you receive it? Then you're going to have to change. I have to change too. This is for all of us. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. I am telling you, this is the modern church. No, Tom, you're telling me that there's guys that will get creep into households and make captives of gullible women inside the church, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts? Uh, yeah, all the time. I can spot the woman and I can spot the guy. I'm not telling you at the door either. <laughs> Am I one of those, Tom? I'm not going to tell you. You need to know. Because I'm not going to have you drop it on me. You want to come to me with your next boyfriend and run him across the gauntlet? Then go ahead. Women never do that. I don't know why. Nobody comes and talks to me about their new boyfriend. Have him meet me at the door. Hey, Tom, what do you think of this guy? Can we have five minutes of your time? Yeah. I want, and Tom, I'll tell you what, you're my pastor, and you tell me whether I should date that guy or not. Okay. I'll be able to tell you in less than 60 seconds whether you should date that guy. Will you go that way? This is why you have verses like this, for of this sort of those who creep into households. It doesn't say creep into households to take, make captives of gullible men. Gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. I see it every single time. You've heard me preach it a dozen times. Whenever a woman gets saved at Foundation Church, I wait for the guy to show up because Satan's sending him. Every single time, without exception. It's just like those of you, who's, don't answer out loud, who's discovered tithing recently? Don't, don't talk to me like you really knew it because back in your church in whatever state you tithe for six months and you haven't tithed sincerely for a decade not talking to you. I'm talking about right now, recently, you've committed to tithing. And by the way, you should tithe off of everything. Whatever comes in, you tithe off of. If you're not, if it doesn't hurt, then you're not tithing. You sell your Maserati with a $60,000 profit, six grand goes to God. But I already tithed off the money that I bought the Maserati with. Did you profit or did you not? Did you profit or did you not? You're going you're gonna to rob God then? Malachi 3, 8 through 11? That's a wise move. Let's poke the Yahweh bear. <laughs> no, thank you. 
But you ask anybody who tithes, the testimony is always the same. I tithe, and then this door opened up. I tithe, and then I got this job. I tithe every single time. Every single time a woman gets saved at this church. Every time the guy's coming. And I see him come in the door, and everyone expects me to be mean to him. I'm not going to be mean to anybody. You don't ask, I don't tell. You want to know? Get with Heather. Tell her you want five minutes of my time after the service, and I'll run that guy through the ringer. Do you want to know whether you're supposed to date him or not? Bring him to me. I'll open up this thing right here, and I'll see what he knows. Bring it. I'll be nice about it. I don't yell at people in person like I yell at you right now. <laughs> Will you do it? That's the embodiment of the modern church. No, verse 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Well, let's order this DVD series. Why? You didn't go off the last one. Yeah, but what do we do? Is what we are actually are, like I say all the time, is we're actually 12-year-old girls. Oh, that really touched my heart. We just might as well listen to Britney Spears music all day long. <laughs> or Taylor Swift. That's the depth of our Christianity. Oh, man, that really just got my heart right there. Okay, but it didn't do anything. Order the next series. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They'll never move the mountains. They're just constantly learning about how to do it. The mountains never move. Now as Janus and, J and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, this is in the church, disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further. If there's no progress, we need to look at ourselves with sober judgment. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the measure of faith God has given you. Tom, do you do that to yourself? Yes. I am okay with saying, you know what? I'm not okay. Now what am I going to do about it? I don't walk around with my head down about it. I say, how am I going to get out of the malaise trap that I am in? Will you do that? Or you will progress no further. For their folly will manifest to all as theirs also was. The eye in the sky does not lie. Our fruit bears us out. Christians ought to be bearing much fruit. Much. Yeah, but Tom, I'm not called to be a pastor. There is no respect of persons. Because I happen to be standing this morning on a physically elevated pulpit does not mean that I am elevated above you. He, there is no respect of persons with God. Amen. There is one God and one mediator between God and men. There is no other mediator between God and men. No respect of persons is Romans 2.11. One God and one mediator, 1 Timothy 2.5. There is no God and priest than man. There is God, Jesus, and all men and women. Amen. 
You have your defense attorney, Jesus. That's it. I'm not your defense attorney. He is. I'm like you, a sinner saved by grace. I don't have the right to defend your sin because I myself have sinned. And I'm depending on grace. Jesus doesn't have to depend on grace. He is grace. See it? So there is no elevation of people. If I'm called to produce, you're called to produce. Whatever it is that God has called you to produce, you are to produce. Everybody thinks that the most elevated position is the person with a microphone in their hand. Incorrect. For he who is the least among you all, he is the greatest. Luke chapter 9 verse 48. You, you will be stunned on the day of judgment. That's why. That's why I'm not going to merely depend on great sermons. I've got to perform my own calling. You have to do the same thing. Whatever it is God has called you to do. Some of you are called to serve. Well, I don't like that. That's got no pulpit in it. I was saved at 18 years old. I saw zero pulpit until I was 36. 36. 18 years, no pulpit. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in accordance to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. Just because your calling is not considered sexy on Christian bookstore shelves doesn't mean that you don't get into that thing deep. If you're called to serve, listen, I'll use my wife as an example. She never tries to get any attention at all. She just simply helps me. There's no glory in it. There's no glory in our drives to the church numerous days every week. Sometimes we're talking a lot. Sometimes it's quiet. People are like, well, how do you end up with a ministry like yours? Shots on goal. Cycling the puck. How many hockey fans are in here? This is what you do. You cycle the puck. How exciting is that? Do you think I'm brimming with excitement every moment of the 10 to 15 hours of podcast prep every, for every podcast? 10, 15 hours straight. No, you cycle the puck. You do what, you're not, what you, your flesh doesn't want to do. Will you do it? Or will you progress no further? All the while thinking that you are. If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And you see, this stuff can quickly move in. Now, I've given everybody a break so far. That was the sweet part of the, of the message. <laughs> It can progress. If you are not progressing, a lack of progress can progress into a heaven and hell scenario. Because again, you're not designed to sit still. Christians who are bored start sinning. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Proverbs 29, 18. Can quickly move into heaven and hell consequences. Tom, what does this have to do with moving mountains? 
You have to take the small step first. What's the biggest, what is the, what is, it's not even a small step. It's just the elementary step. If you want to move mountains, what do you have to do? You have to obey. Watch to make sure that you watch the second service. They don't get what you get. And you don't get what they get. But this can quickly move into heaven and hell scenarios. Nobody talks about heaven and hell inside the church anymore. Outside of Foundation Church. Rodney Hour Brown, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, a few others. Nobody talks about heaven and hell anymore. Why? How do you, how do you evangelize a church? Are there people in there that need to be evangelized? Inside the building right now, are there people that need to be evangelized? Yeah. You better tell them the gospel. So if you're someone like me, you're looking at James 3.1, you're staring at it right in the face. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Nobody will be able to say that that attended this church. Tom told me that I was sinning. Tom told me that I was going to hell. A lack of progress is a dangerous place to be. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? Will we examine ourselves? It's not hard to determine. How do you know whether you're saved or not? Look at me. How do you know whether you're saved or not? I'm going to give you a little taste of the second message. How do you know whether you're saved? Let me ask you this question. Is obedience works? What kind of covenant are we in? We're in a faith covenant. Grace is what God did. Our covenant is faith. What is obedience? It's faith. It's faith. Do you know that you don't go to hell for your bad works? You simply go to hell for a lack of faith? Obedience. Disobedience is a lack of faith. Obedience is faith. Obedience is you entering into the faith covenant. Obedience is you putting your trust in Jesus, not your own works. You need to watch the second message. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. You are in the faith if you're obedient in the name of faith. Many people are obedient because they think obedience moves God. Does it? I know you're afraid to answer. I wouldn't answer either. Does obedience, don't answer, move God? No, he's already moved. Obedience is faith. And you enter into a covenant of faith where God is always and perpetually moving. Everybody seeing this? I hope you are. That's what, that, that is faith. It's like repentance, right? What is Repentance. A turning from sin. No, it's not. It's a change of mind. How do you change your mind? Turn from sin. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts will be established. You want to change your mind. When people aren't obedient, they never ever attempted, at, they never attempted repentance. It's not their disobedience that sends them to hell. It's that they never entered into faith. Is everybody seeing this? I hope you are. Because your obedience does not send you to heaven. If you're, obedient in, in, if you're obedient in the name of faith in Jesus, 
You've now entered into his favor. It's not your obedience. You became pleasing because you entered into the pleasingness of Jesus. Got to watch the second message. People will be stunned on the day of judgment. Stunned. I'm telling you, that's why these verses are in here, like Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Nine minutes to go and we're done. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. How do you become a mountain mover? You start with the small. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Jesus again said, Luke chapter 12, verse 26. If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? If you don't cross the obedient bridge, you will never move mountains because obedience is faith and faith moves mountains. If you can't come to church every Sunday, you will never move mountains because you're not obedient. You're not in faith. It's not that you're, you're coming to church moves God. It's that you're coming to church and your obedience ushers you into the realm of faith. If you're getting this, shout amen. If you're not, if you're not, say I don't get it. Seriously. You will not go to hell because of your works. You will go to hell because you never eradicated what you did through faith. It's even if a Christian goes, even if somebody goes, Christian church go, whatever it may be. You know what? Tom was right about that custom thing. I'm going to stop. I want that to please God. It doesn't please God. What pleases God? Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 11, 6. Everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Proverbs, I mean, Romans 14, 23. Everything that, why is it that everything that does not come from faith is sin? Why is that? So you're telling me, Tom, like I'm going to go today and get a Big Mac? That's not really a faith. Is that sin? That's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is, is that without faith, sin is left exposed. Everything that doesn't cover sin is sin. Works does not cover it. It has to be faith. It's a faith covenant. So what are these little things? What are the least of things? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. And what is this titled? This is titled the peril of not progressing. Therefore, leaving the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So what are the beginning things? If you want to move mountains, what are the beginning things? You're going to have to start with repentance from dead works. People think, I'm a strong believer, but yes, I struggle with sin. You're not strong. You've not, you're not moving on to perfection. You're not going to move mountains. You ha- if you want, if it's a time of great belief, then it has to be a time of great obedience. Not a lot of amens in this room right now. See, everybody wants, what everybody wants is to go to a conference, be told that you're okay, and tomorrow's your day. 
I prophesy that this is your year. How do you know that, prophet? How do you know? Because unless we actually implement the word of God, it will not be your year. Why? Because God didn't give it to you because he's not pleased with you? No. You chose to stay out of faith through lack of obedience. So you're blind to your year. You think that your year is the cotton candy Casanova that walked up to you at Junior's bar that you shouldn't be in. And he's the same guy that you divorced three years ago just in different gift wrapping paper. Yes, I've lived in Inglewood for a long time. <laughs> Worship team, make your way. I'll close right here. Seriously though, you need to listen to this second message some point during the week. It's not more important than this one because they're not getting what you got. But you need to listen to it. Gosh, I wish I could preach for you for another hour because I don't want to leave you right here. But I'm going to leave you right here. be praying for a building so I can preach longer. And more importantly, we need it more importantly so we can worship longer. Because I'd certainly rather a whole lot more of the Holy Spirit than me. Certainly would. So be praying for that. We are actively looking. We're trying to be players. It's tough. But be praying over that. Your first step, church, in closing is when God says yes, you say yes. God says no, you say no. You can forget about that mountain. Don't even address it. Don't even address it because you're not in faith. You're in unbelief. Disobedience is unbelief. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, who will not enter into the glory of God? But those that did not obey his commands. And here's the second part of the verse. So you see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Do you see that? Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. Read it when you get home. Who will enter into the rest of the Lord? Who will not enter into the rest of the Lord? Those that did not obey. So you see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. If you don't obey, you're not believing. And you can go heaven and hell. If it's sin, it's hell bound. If not, Christians start putting masks on because of unbelief and not being in faith. Amen? Stand with me, everybody. Head back. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you, and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. 
Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.